When you step into Lifetime, you won't just see the difference, you'll feel it. Experience it for yourself. Visit lifetime.life for a complimentary guest pass or stop by a club. Lifetime, the healthy way of life partner for the Minnesota Vikings. Expectations were rightfully pretty high. I think there's no reason why this team should you know, win 10 games this year. The frustration started early. They just couldn't close out games. And that's that's the difference between you know a team like the Vikings, uh, unfortunately, that's not going to the postseason and other good teams, the teams that, uh, that that find a way at different level, find a way of closing those games out. And that's, that's the description of the Vikings season. Yo, what's going on? You are listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. This is episode number 127. My name is Gabe Henderson inside the TCO studios alongside producer Jay Nelson. Tatum Everett, she's on another interview right now. So when interviews call, Tatum goes. So you were stuck with Jay Nelson and I today. You you poor, poor souls at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. But more importantly, I'm sorry about the Minnesota Vikings loss on Sunday night football. Oh, that was so brutal. Oh. Yeah, brutal to, to say the least. But more importantly, when you don't have a, your starting quarterback or Adam Thielen, just wide receiver 1A or 1B, uh, it's going to be tough to win games against a Green Bay Packers team that are Super Bowl favorites right now, Jay. It's one thing with them being the number one seed in the NFC at this point seeing how much they've been rolling, see how many close games they've pulled out, you know, knowing that you were depleted as as you were. I This game just felt to me like it, it was inevitable at this point. And, I, you know, the hard part was I think there was some some hope that kicked in after the first quarter. It was mm. three to nothing. And I even texted some people. I was like, you know, whatever's happening right now, I'm, <laughs> I'm all here for it because at least we're keeping it close. And then, you know, eventually the dam broke and it was just yeah. one of those games where, where you just could not get over the hill because you were so depleted uh, on roster. Well, we knew what the game plan for the Green Bay Packers were going in uh, as of Friday was to stack the box, stop Dalvin from running, and let Sean Mayen beat them. And what they started to do was do that, and we stopped running the ball, and eventually uh, our, our luck kind of just ran out towards the end. But like I said, that is a really good team that we played, and we'll get to our, our vent session later on in the show. But more importantly, we got a, a special guest coming up on the show today. Um, he is well known here with the Minnesota Vikings, longtime contributor to the Vikings Entertainment Network, Mr. Mark Rosen. Rosie's the best. Um, I've really missed him this year. You know, uh, Pete Bursich and I have been doing Skull Stories all season long. Uh, Mark and Pete had done that last season. They were awesome. It was great. And, you know, as fun as it was for me to be on it, it really was something missing in my eyes just mm-hmm. without Mark there. Mark's such a great journalist. He knows the history of this team. He can fill in on, on almost everything historically for this team. And so it'll be great to talk to him here this morning yeah my my initial impression of rosie was last year 2020 of course there were no fans in the stands but watching every single game beside him in the uh, u.s bank radio room and every single sunday before the game started i would ask him for a pen i would ask him for a pen and a sheet of paper and he would get pissed at me so now when i see him in the booth i'll still have a pen and a sheet of paper but i'll just go to him and be like hey you mind if i grab your pen real quick he I think, just loses it. <laughs> I think you get an off-season uh, gift that you can find for him. It's just a box of pens. Well, moving forward, it, we, we got to get to this vent session because um, the Minnesota Vikings, their season is pretty much over after this upcoming Sunday against the Chicago Bears. After losing 37-10 to against the Green Bay Packers, the Vikings are officially eliminated from playoff contention. So as of right now, the NFC picture, I believe number five, the five seed right now is the L.A. Rams, the sixth seed. 
penciled in, but they haven't clinched the spot is the San Francisco 49ers. And then the seventh seed is the Philadelphia Eagles. So we needed the Eagles to lose to Washington and we needed a win. Neither one of those things happened. So, yep. Jay, we'll start with you. What what bothered you the most? And you got 60 seconds just to get it off your chest. I think the biggest thing on my end was looking at the fact that we were talking about, you know, how are we going to defensively try to put a little bit of a clamp on this Green Bay Packers offense. Uh, we were talking about, you know, the the running game, getting pressure on Aaron Rodgers, trying to limit Devontae Adams, who was always a thorn in our side. None of those things essentially happened. You gave up 481 yards of offense, 307 passing and 174 rushing. That included both uh Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon with 139 yards rushing and Dillon had those two scores on the ground. So like all all around after the first quarter and Green Bay kind of saw what the game plan was, it felt like they really just kind of said, "All right, now we know what the menu is. Now yeah. it's just time to order." And you know, one thing that Aaron Aaron Rodgers is going to do to you is he's going to find all of the weaknesses that he potentially can and then just exploit them throughout the rest of the game. And for me, I just felt like for him, it was just easy pickings by the end of the game. Easy pickings at the end of the game. Yeah, that that was pretty much the story of the, the second half for the second and third quarter. I believe they had less than 100 yards in the first quarter. Their first two drives, well, two out of their first three drives, we, we held them to six points. And when you see that, you say, okay, well, this offense, we should be able to score some points, get some juice, some momentum going. And And I I think part of it, too, for me, and not to take your take here if this is what it's going to be, but that was part of the part going into it. We just said, you know, we all know, and I think they knew. You felt like, well, Dalvin's going to have to shoulder the load. And for him to, to, you know, not have any kind of a game resembling what we thought it was going to be was was super disheartening. If you would have told me that Sean Mannion would have more rushing yards than Dalvin Cook, uh, I probably would have said you're lying. That that is a recipe for the cake to flop. That is not <laughs> going to work well in your favor. Yeah. Well, my Vince session has to be just the season coming down to this Packers game. There were so many, so many things that going into this year we were like, okay, well, we got all the talent on paper to get to this point in week 17 to be able to beat the Green Bay Packers. And of course, injuries happen here and there, but the fact that we were not able to get it done. Um, it's pretty it's pretty baffling at this point. And you look at it and say, okay, well, yeah, h- how do we fix those things? How do we get past that? And when you got a Sean Mayan playing quarterback, you say, okay, well, we should be able to run the ball. We should be able to still get some points on the board. Clearly, like you said, the recipe for success was to get Dalvin the ball, play action pass, take some shots down the field. But the fact that we only had one explosive during the entire game, that 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 doesn't really bode well for, for our offense. And um, it's just a calm, calm for me. It's just a combination of things. I can't pick just one thing in the Packers game that 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 really stands out. But the fact that we weren't able to execute, it's just one thing that that really um, gets to me when it when it comes to this Green Bay Packers game this past Sunday night. When those guys went out there and Sean hit Conk a couple times in that first drive, and you saw them be able to kind of start to show some semblance of hey. Sean's got an arm. He can move the ball. We can do this thing. Mm -hmm. And you started to see some success there early. You felt like, all right, you know, there's something here to work with. I think the the three and outs, subsequent three and outs after that on multiple drives was the part where you started to realize like, oh, this is this is not going the way that we want it to. Knowing that, you know, Justin is supposed to be the focal point. Mm -hmm. They were going to bracket him. Everyone kind of knew that that was going to be the case. Conk got a couple passes. Justin actually got a couple passes as well. But just 
to not be able to move the sticks and it just felt like you were stuck in neutral the entire game um from the very beginning you know after that first drive it just felt like it was inevitable yeah i mean you when you have 11 drives and six of those drives are three and outs there's it's really hard to get a rhythm and speaking of momentum momentum has been something that we haven't been able to capitalize on all year whether that's a sudden change moments or just points off for turnovers or just establishing a drive um i just Think of the the L.A. Rams first drive of the game. We march down eight plays, get down to the red zone and throw a pick like that's that's just rhythm and momentum kind of kind of wasted at that point. And they go down to score some points and you're like, man, like we that's a that's a 10 or 14 point turnaround right there. So this Green Bay Packers game was just a, a resemblance of um, some previous games this year. And no matter who the quarterback is, you just look at it and say, what can we do to continue to get a rhythm and. We we know playing at Lambeau, that's that's going to be a raucous place. So you got to you got to hop on those guys early, and we we just didn't get an opportunity to do so. I was texting with some some coworkers here during the game, and I I said this just feels like the absolute inverse of the 2017 season. I was at Lambeau; it was super frigid game mm-hmm. with a friend of mine, and that was the year that uh, Rogers was out with a broken collarbone, and rolling into that game, you, and they were putting Hunley out there. You're just looking at it and you're you're thinking they essentially have no shot as long as you can bury him early and make him realize that this is not going to go your way tonight. Like this game is over from the jump. And for me watching this game, I said, this is just the complete flip side of that. Just looking at it, saying no, Kirk, um, offensively, you are in a deep hole to start and they just couldn't find their way out of it. I'm no Chris Collinsworth, but the way Aaron Rodgers approaches the game and i'm saying chris collinsworth because a lot of people say chris collinsworth loves yeah he got a little bit of heat on (laughs) sunday night from his commentary yeah so when you see aaron Rodgers on film you 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 look at him and say like man that's an that's an amazing throw but when you see him in person and you say okay that's that's not going to be able to work two games in a row and the fact that he goes out there and just places dimes and throws left and right and it's just like how like how is he so accurate no matter what we did on defense it was like when you got a guy on Aaron Rodgers on the field there's always a chance that he's going to make a play and we knew that we made some plays on defense early on but you you have to continue to attack this guy and we just didn't get an opportunity to do so it's hard when your two best pass rushers have been out basically for the back half of the season three maybe it's just me softening as I've gotten older working in this industry and kind of realizing what it is at this point but you know, as a as a younger adult and even as a kid, and you're watching the Vikings play the Packers and Brett Favre's out there, and you know it wasn't Collinsworth; it was Madden and other yeah. people that were just talking about how great he was. And as a Vikings fan, it was just maddening. You just wanted <laughs> to just jump through the TV and shake and just be like, "No, you know, knock it off." Watching Aaron Rodgers, though, for me, you know, forget all the off off field stuff. What he does on the field, he is an absolute maestro. And watching those games, yeah, as frustrating as it is, I trust me, there have been multiple times I have yeah. thrown things and sworn at the TV watching <laughs> a game. But watching him and you just look at it and you realize, much like Tom Brady, he is in complete control of yeah. the chessboard. I just watch his games and realize enjoy this right now while you can yep. and i know enjoy is the the weird word to use as a vikings fan but enjoy watching what is happening right now because you are watching a true uh, master you know paint on a canvas again as maddening as it is when it's playing against your team but just realizing like this guy is on a different level and if potentially rumors are true that he's you know hinting that he might hang it up like once he's gone, you're going to realize just how great this guy was in his career. He's equivalent to LeBron. 
just just a unicorn in their sport. And Aaron Rodgers, I've I've never been an Aaron Rodgers fan. Let me let me preface that. I, I still am not an Aaron Rodgers fan just just because he beats our team too. But uh, th- like you said, the the older you get, the more you appreciate greatness and what he puts on the field, the product that he puts on the field, the artistry work that he puts on the field. All you can do is sometimes is just sit back and marvel at that because there's not many quarterbacks in the history of this game that's able to do that. So when when he's throwing a back shoulder fade to uh, Devontae Adams with the DB in perfect coverage, all you can say is, wow, like that's as a DB, as a defense or as a fan, you could say, hey, Chris Boyd, like great coverage. Like you you did what you were supposed to do on that. That's just a, a better ball and a better route. My coach always told me growing up, a perfect route and a perfect ball beats perfect coverage every single time. For and sure. that's pretty much this Green Bay Packers team. When they got Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams or whoever, they run perfect routes and they have a perfect ball. And it doesn't matter how you're covering those guys. It just it's just an offensive game and they're just going to complete it. So it is what it is. I think you you nailed it on the head there. I think LeBron is the perfect person to compare mm-hmm. him to. We've had this discussion. You're a Carolina guy. You're a Michael Jordan guy. Yeah. And I'm the guy that I'll sit there and point and go, <laughs> Mike versus LeBron isn't a question in my eyes because of you know what yeah. I used to watch. You cannot underestimate how great he is as a player, mm-hmm. what his skill set is. And then everyone jumps on him for, well, you've only got three championships out of all the chances that you've had. The same thing can be said with the Packers looking at it going, how have you had for 30 years Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and you only got two Super Bowls out of it? I think the LeBron comparison is actually very, very uh, close and accurate. And in in general, I can look back and say LeBron is an insanely talented NBA player. At the same point, there are flaws in his game that I don't necessarily (laughs) think are the greatest. Aaron Rodgers, his game is excellent. And again, whether it's the people around him or whenever they're playing their opponents in the playoffs and they exploit whatever weaknesses that they find, um, I think that Aaron Rodgers in general as a player cannot be denied that he is one of the best players in the NFL. 99% of Vikings fans do not like him. I think you still do have to appreciate greatness. And I feel like that's that's the conversation that we're having right now is, yeah, we, we lost the game. Yeah, it wasn't in the fashion that we wanted to lose the game. But every single time we play Aaron Rodgers, he he shows up and shows out whether we beat him or not. Mike Zimmer is 7-8-1 and one against Aaron Rodgers, and it, it takes a defensive maestro like Mike Zimmer to be able to draw up schemes and create strategies to to be able to stop Aaron Rodgers. We've, we've heard Aaron Rodgers on record say it's so tough playing the Minnesota Vikings, and a lot of that is due to Mike Zimmer's defensive mind and how and how to to stop a guy or contain a guy like Aaron Rodgers. And, and granted, you, you got to have the players out there executing it. You got to have the perfect players to do so because, yeah, you can drop the perfect scheme. But if, if your starters are not in the game, it's, it's going to be a little bit tougher to do so. So I feel like that's that's just the the story of 37 to 10 loss, in my opinion, against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday. Looking at the Aaron Rodgers versus Mike Zimmer kind of mutual respect. Yeah, they'll swear at each other, but <laughs> they'll do it with a wink. Yeah, it's two grandmasters playing against each other on that chessboard again. Yep. It's just if you look at Mike Zimmer's record, you realize he has the best record against Aaron Rodgers, you know, in his career, especially mm-hmm. within this division. Watching those two go at it. It's great to see both of them realize they have to bring their A game and just to see what they have to do because you know, Mike's got his schemes, but then he knows, well, here's what we did last time. And then Aaron's trying to essentially matrix this thing and download <laughs> the information and go, well, what happened last game? What happened games right. before that? And just to see them both try to process as fast as possible on the field and hide certain things and show certain things and just to see how they react and ebb and flow back and forth. 
again, this is one of those things for me. I just look at it and say, you have to enjoy it now and respect it now while you can, because who the heck knows what's going to happen. I always say Harrison Smith is Mike Zimmer on the field. The way he's able to disguise coverages and make it difficult for an opposing quarterback. I just feel like that's just Mike Zimmer-esque. And I've heard people around the building say Harrison Smith is the embodiment of Mike Zimmer. Everything Mike Zimmer is instilling, instilling into this defense Harrison Smith does it. And it's been a, a pleasure having Harrison Smith on his roster. Whether he plays or not on Sunday, um, he is well-deserving of a, a Pro Bowl career, similar to um, Aaron Rodgers, who is on the, the other side of the ball. Well, another guy that has had an illustrious career is longtime Minnesota broadcast legend Mark Rosen. We know him as Rosie, and I am very excited to get into this interview. So let's jump right into it. Mark, um, before we get anything started, do you have a pen mm-hmm. that I can borrow? <laughs> Gabe, that's such a good inside joke because uh, uh, last last year in particular when I would show up for all the games and we were all in COVID protocol, no fans, and I think pretty much every time you walked into U.S. Bank Stadium, <laughs> you're looking through your pockets, your sport coat, whatever. Gabe, here you go. Here's here's another pen. I brought an extra one for you. Just keep it, pal. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I feel like there's been a lot of, of scribbling this year with that pen, whether yeah. it's changing your thoughts or changing the outcome of the game, and that's pretty much been the, the story of the season thus far. Rosen, I think I know where his pens are because I find them under the desk here in the radio room. Uh, listen, I'm guilty of, I'm guilty as charged. I uh, That's why I would never buy a, a nice pen because I know it would last like a, a day, and I'd be looking all over mm-hmm. for it. And you know, Those are really nice to have, but not in my ownership. Yeah, with 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 all that scribbling we've had to do this year, whether it was yeah. coming down to a last minute game or a last second field goal, how would you just describe this season for for someone who's never Boy. watched a, a single second of the Vikings twenty twenty one season? Yeah, I, I think you need Doctor Phil to weigh in on that. <laughs> I, I just I think psychologically, uh, and that's why when the Rams game happened, I think both. Um, some of the players and the fans were talking about the fact that the place was kind of dead. It was kind of empty. Just felt that way. And I think people were just emotionally spent. It's not like they didn't want the Vikings to win or, but all these close games, every last every game coming down the last possession and not, and not winning enough of them um, took a toll, I think on everyone. And, you know, that that's the NFL. But in this case, I mean, you could say it's a combination of things, but they had to find a way of being better. I mean, they just did. They just couldn't close out games. And that's that's the difference between, you know, a team like the Vikings, uh, unfortunately, that's not going to the postseason and other teams that are, you know, almost have similar records, but managed to win a few more of those. So uh, a lot of little things that happen, we know, I mean, going back even the Cincinnati game, the Arizona game, the missed field goal, the opportunities in overtime when Dalvin fumbled, the Lions game, Cowboys coming here, you know, with a, with a backup quarterback, they start. And, and there's no way in the world the Vikings can lose that game at home, and they did. And then, of course, going to Detroit. So you can name four or five games right off the top of your head where good teams, the teams that, uh, that, that find a way at different level, find a way of closing those games out. And, and, and that's what that's that's the description of the Viking season. I think given all of the years that you've seen the 4 and 0 starts and not making the playoffs, the 0 and 4 starts and making the playoffs, the roller coasters right. through all of the decades that we've seen, this has to be one of the craziest seasons we've ever seen, correct? Oh, it is. It is. And I think, you know, expectations were rightfully pretty high. I think their off season um I think there was reason to be optimistic. I mean, Mike Zimmer knew he had to fix that defense. Uh they brought in Patrick Peterson on the back end. They knew they were getting Michael Pierce back, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson. They had to fix the middle of that interior line. 
because they were they were getting gashed by the run, and I think they felt they had done that. And then you got Kendricks coming back and Barr coming back, and then offensively, you know, you got Jefferson in the second year and Thielen coming back and Dalvin Cook. I mean, just start rattling off these names, and you go, yeah, there's no reason why this team shouldn't you know win ten games this year. The frustration started early, and it, you know, it, it's sort of like when you hear a team that's down by 20 points in an NBA game or a, a bunch of goals and, and they, they, they use every exert every bit of energy they have to get back in the game. They might cut the lead to two and they might even take the lead briefly. But then at the end of the game, they go, you know, we exerted so much energy just to get back into it. We just didn't have anything left at the end. And that's kind of the feeling I have about this Vikings team that uh, you know, sadly came to fruition in green Bay because they just didn't have anything left in the tank, especially defensively forgetting the cousin situation for a minute, but they were just, they looked like a team that had just gone. I, I, we got nothing left. There was a question of trying. It's just, they just had nothing left. I think part of it, when you really look at it though, is we, we talk about having all these key pieces and, you know, we picked up yeah. you know guys like Patrick Peterson. We've got the stout defensive line. We've got all those things. But if you think about it, almost the entire season, every single yep. position group was in flux every single week, essentially Correct. like the amount of, you know, offensive line combos that you had, defensive line combos, people playing on the outside, everything else. Just there never was this feeling of you finally got solidified as a, a core group where week in and week out you knew exactly who was going to be on that field. Yeah, and I think a lot of teams were going through, you know, pretty similar situations, but it, it's 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 a juggling act. And I think this is where the quality depth of your football team gets tested. That's why when we talk at draft time, everyone talks about the first round pick or the second round pick. Many times it's the guys down the road or free agency sign or, you know, the scouting department that brings in a guy that, that can fill that bill. And because, you, you know, you're going to have injuries and now you throw in the COVID protocols and it seems like the Vikings just didn't have enough of those guys. Uh, and you're right, the instability and especially in the line of not having it, then maybe the, the, the injury that Derisaw had, the inability to develop Wyatt Davis in his rookie year to be a, even having a, 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 getting any playing time. You know those things hurt. I mean, that's just that that just hurts your franchise, and because you have to count on on, on those people contributing uh, almost right away. Uh, the NFL, you know, as many other people have said, it waits for no one. I mean, it and uh, the old days of rookies sitting and watching and sitting and watching forever and ever, pretty much gone. I mean, by the middle of the season, you're not a rookie anymore. Yeah. Uh, if you're good enough, you got to play. And so I think that's where the Vikings, you're right. Uh, they were in a state of flux, but they didn't seem like they had enough people in reserve and the lack of continuity to Gabe to, to kind of put them over the top. And many, and we know every game came down the wire and it's just like, now what's going to happen? Well, pretty much anything that could did. One position that we haven't had much turnover or a person had to miss a game is at quarterback. And that was until last right. week with Kirk Cousins. So, so now that I, I know you have developed a, a close relationship with Kirk Cousins, you you hosted the mm-hmm. Under Center podcast with him with him last year, and right. now with with Kirk being, I guess this year, this upcoming year being a lame duck year, like how do you address that situation? Oofta, there's a lot to um, that was a real Minnesota thing to say, wasn't it? Oofta, <laughs> um, you know it's it, it's a it's um it's a balancing act. There's all, there's so many moving parts right now, which we'll find out. Certainly, after the game on Sunday uh, against the Bears, the GM situation, the coaching situation, but the quarterback is the central focus. Is you know, it's always attached with the money, uh, the, the cap hit they have to take. Do they keep him? Is, is Kirk going to? Would, would he be willing off his guaranteed contract to, to back off some of that and and allow the Vikings to uh, use that some of that money elsewhere? I, you know, he doesn't have to. He doesn't owe them anything. They sign him to a guaranteed deal. 
Will they try to trade him? I mean, uh, there's a lot to think about since he's the central focus of this football team. And I, I don't know how it's going to end. I don't think anyone can predict that at all. I mean, the Vikings very well may decide to trade him and get a, you know, we, people have been speculating, you know, the Marcus Mariota type to plug him in for a year or two while they kind of, I hate to use the word rebuild because they, have, they still have too many good players on this team. But, um, you know, you, you're in that mode where you, if this isn't going to move the needle, then you got to figure out a way that that is. Because I guarantee you, Ziggy and Mark Wilf aren't interested in five-year rebuilding plans. Uh, they've been doing this for a long time since they took ownership of this football team. And I don't care how many buildings they, they have with their real estate business. They want that Super Bowl trophy. And people, I tell people this all the time. Uh, they want to win, and they want to win now. <laughs> and so. Yeah. It's not easy to do in this league, uh, especially with the quarterback position being such a central focus of how it affects the rest of the football team. So what area then do you do you look at and just kind of feel like needs to be improved the most this offseason? Well, honestly, I, I, I got to look at their defense again. I, I just I'm, I'm a little flabbergasted even at that. that you know, you, you can't just look at bare statistics, but. What's happened at the end of first halves in games like this, the last two minutes? I mean, it's just like it's almost like clockwork where they give up points at the end of the first half, and and they just have those moments where it seems like they have some momentum, and then they lose it going in the locker room. They never quite quite regain it. Um, you know, they had a lot of quarterback sacks. Obviously, the Daniil Hunter situation really hurt them. I mean, there's another one. Who knows how they're going to handle Daniil? Yeah. A premier defensive end of the league. Everson Griffin's personal issues sadly uh, took a toll, and he was playing well. Um, I'd say the defensive line, you got to look at it again in the secondary. I mean, they just don't have enough guys back there to develop. I mean, you got to look at developing them. You know, the Patrick Peterson, I hope they bring him back. I mean, I think he's still got some left in the tank, but you got to get you got to get better back there as well. So I would go with that. And obviously, you can talk about the offensive line, but, you know, with O'Neal and Cleveland and, and Derrissaw, and even I mean I think they got some pieces there that they they have as you mentioned Gabe they have some stability they can get they can do okay with that um, they really can but I, I just think their defense again needs to be fixed. There yeah. are still some some weapons there on both sides of the ball and when when you look at just this season when you when you reflect back on this season uh, do you have an offensive MVP and a defensive MVP or just one guy on both sides well, of the ball I that mean, stand out? J.J.'s got to be the offensive MVP. I mean, Dalvin's had a really, really good year, but Justin Jefferson, I've watched a lot of wide receivers, uh, is something special. And I, I think he's just scratching the surface of what he can do and what he will be doing, as long as they keep him happy. You know, wide receivers are, by nature, and I, I don't mean this in a negative way, are divas, and that's a good thing. Many of them, because they want the ball and they can't control it. It's not like you're a point guard in a basketball team. That you, can, you can control the ball. You can have someone throw it to you. But I think Justin um, just had a, a terrific year. Um, again, I mean, his statistics speak for themselves. But more than that, he's he's really all in. Uh, I think he's just in, in, a terrific player. Um, defensively, man, I mean, how can you not talk about Eric Kendricks? I mean, I think he's still the glue behind that defense and plays with such intensity. Um, Harrison Smith had a good year, but I think uh, Eric was uh, head and shoulders um, uh, above the rest. Rosen, you don't have to talk to me about dealing with wide receiver divas. I got one in the room with me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure he makes you go get coffee and, you know, and, I mean, all this. I, I get it. I, I get it. Yeah. I make I make sure his 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 routes when he's turning corners, they, they're shoulders to the wall. Yeah, if I'm not crisp in my my entrance into the room, he makes me do it again. <laughs> right, right. Wow. Well, well, we know this is an offensive yeah. league, though, and and no matter how you look yep. at it, that everyone wants to score points. And 
Um, the, la- the last few Super Bowls has been pretty pretty high scoring. So I know the Vikings mm-hmm. aren't going to make the Super Bowl, but do you have a Super Bowl favorite right now? Do I have to bite through my tongue and my lip to say <laughs> that I think the Packers are the Super Bowl favorite? I mean, so coming out of the NFC, I mean, I – I don't know, and it's a rhetorical question. We know that everything for them is judged on how they're going to do in an NFC Championship game because Aaron Rodgers has failed, using that term. Uh, they had some bad moments last year. Uh, you know, There's certainly teams like the Rams and Dallas and, and Tampa with Tom Brady that can go in there and beat them. But I think Green Bay having to win only two games at home to go to the big game is, is a pretty big advantage for them right now. In the AFC, um, boy, that's tougher. I just think somehow, some way, Patrick Mahomes is going to find a way to crawl back and get something done. They just have so many weapons. They had their little slump in the, earlier in the year. There's some really good teams to compete with. I, I'd love to see the Bengals make noise. i love to watch that team play. Mm-hmm. Watch, speaking of uh, J- Justin Jefferson, just watching Jamar Chase and, and Burroughs hook up. I mean, I hope that team stays healthy. They're a lot of fun to watch. And there's some other contenders as well. So, all right, I guess I'll go with uh, Green Bay. I'll go Green Bay and Cincinnati, just to mix it up. <laughs> oh. And, then, and uh, uh, I'll, I'll take the Bengals because I can't Ooh. take Green Bay to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> I'd never be able to live with myself. I was going to say, if history proves anything right, you can probably assume Tom Brady's going to walk into Green Bay and yeah. knock him out yeah. of the playoffs. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, psychologically, just him walking in there, I mean, it's got to go, okay, now, I mean, like, like Viking fans feel sometimes, now what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that's why. I don't trust Matthew Stafford. I, I, I like the Rams team. Their defense is, is certainly good enough to, to handle Green Bay and, and Lambeau. I just think Matthew Stafford is too erratic and makes, you know, we saw it here. Uh, he makes some really boneheaded throws, and I just don't see that, that changing as opposed to a, a Brady who could, who could make that happen as well. Well, Rosie, next year is our year. Let's just keep saying that until Let's we get one. So, man, I've been saying that since uh, I started going to the games as a little kid. So I'm, we've come close. I had my 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 bags packed for Miami in '98 and uh, in New Orleans and everything else. But um, you know, it's got to happen one of these years. And you know, you, you can certainly turn it around in a hurry. Well, I'm sure when we get there, I'll be asking you for a pen again. Well, I appreciate it, Rosie. <laughs> Thanks, my Mark. pleasure, guys. Good talking with you. <laughs> Likewise, Mark Rosen, the legend, Jay. There's so many great things you and I can both say about Mark Rosen. He, he's always he's the uh, consummate professional, but more importantly, he brings his energy and personality to every single interview that he does. I think there's a reason why the everyone in this market respects and loves Mark Rosen, given all the other stuff that he's gone through in his life here in the last year, and and just you know priorities wise, taking the step back. It's great to get him back on this show, and um, like I said before, I, I really miss uh, being able to work with Mark, and hopefully we can work him back into the future. All right, Chicago Bears, week 18. They're 6-10, and 10, we're 7-9. and nine. A lot of things to be excited about. I'm sure there's a lot of things to be nervous about also. But we'll pick one of each, and we'll start with you with 60 seconds on the clock. What's one thing you were excited about heading into the season finale at U.S. Bank Stadium against the Chicago Bears, Jeff? It's, once again, the end of the season against the Chicago Bears. Uh, <laughs> one thing that is always known about this game uh, typically it has some sort of implications. I think for us, it's going to be really interesting to see because much like our team at this point, you know, there's a lot of questions of what are they going to look like next year? They've got a lot of hope. They've got a lot of promise with a bunch of the young players that have stepped up this season. Um, but one thing that I am kind of excited about this week is the fact that most likely we're going to be playing Andy Dalton. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I I would have liked to see Justin Fields out there, especially in person. It would have been great to see him at the same point. Andrew is going to keep him most likely off the field. So Andy last week playing against a fairly uh, putrid New York Giants defense went 18 of 35 for 173, a touch of pick and two sacks. Um, I think that if defensively they want to kind of, you know, send everything out on a good note, I think they're going to have to try to get some pressure on Andy Dalton. Mm. And if that happens, we've all seen that Andy uh, is willing to make some mistakes. So Andy Dalton is kind of what I'm interested in seeing. That will be interesting to see. He is coming off of a win, and I'm sure Andy Dalton is going to be playing playing his rear end off um, for the Chicago Bears team. And no matter who plays for the Bears right now, Nick, whether it's Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, like you said, Justin Fields probably won't play. I feel like the Bears take this game very personally. I, I think they have to. There's a lot of guys. You know, everyone's always like, "Oh, there's nothing to play for." Like, trust me, a lot of these guys on these rosters are playing for their careers and trying to play, especially if they're free agents, they're playing to put some good tape out. A guy like Andy Dalton has always been kind of feast or famine in general. And um, I think he's another guy. I believe he's, he's got another uh, free agency season coming up here. So for me, Andy Dalton's going to want to go out there and put something on tape. Yeah. Your turn, buddy. (sighs) Here we go. Well, one thing that I'm, I'm very excited about this upcoming Sunday, and this is, I'm probably in the minority on this, but, our run offense versus their run defense. Yeah, they got Akeem Hicks and all those guys. I'm sure they probably won't play. But even if they do, the past two weeks, the Chicago Bears team has given up two 100-yard rushers. Rashad Penny had 135 yards uh, two weeks ago when he was with the Seahawks. And then Saquon Barkley had his, I think, first or second 100-yard game last week. So whether it is Alexander Madison, A.J. Rose, or Kene Wangwu, I think all three of those guys should have opportunities to have some gashes on this Chicago Bears run defense. We know Dalvin Cook, he probably won't play, but if he does, I'm sure he's going to be licking his chops. But if he doesn't, I still think this Minnesota Vikings run offense should be able to have a day and at least establish the run game early. We all know if you establish the run game early, you can throw the ball. And coming off a week where you didn't establish the run game the entire game, you should be able to get something bad this upcoming week and have a bounce back game. It's kind of interesting to me because, uh, you know, jumping into the next segment, you just hit on something you're excited about, and that's one thing I'm nervous about. <laughs> um, but the thing about that matchup, I think that's the greatest right now, is to see week 15, you know that Akeem Hicks takes Delvin Cook's game personally. Yep. <laughs> like, whenever yep. that happens, they're in each other's face. He is absolutely talking, knowing that this guy is going to push us to the limit. And for Akeem Hicks, he always – takes it personal whenever uh, he's playing the Minnesota Vikings. So I don't think we have to worry about the defense showing up for the Bears. Continue your vent session. All right. (laughs) Uh, On my end, what makes me nervous there is essentially that there is that, that motivation there by the defense, but it's the defense in combination with something they were missing in week 15. That secondary was completely depleted. The Chicago Bears had 19 players on the COVID list Mm. in week 15, which was unheard of. Mm -hmm. Um, But with that being the case, essentially their entire secondary was gone. We only put up 17 points. Mm -hmm. So if uh, we're going to potentially have to utilize the running game again, perfect weather conditions at U.S. Bank Stadium, everyone's going to enjoy their time there. But it's getting that secondary backed and making the passing game more of a pain. If that's the case, then I would say that the running game is going to be even more consequential on the Viking side. And that being the case with the motivated Akeem Hicks Mm -hmm. with a real secondary behind him, that makes me nervous knowing that we are going to have to do everything right again this week against a tough defense. 
it's a statement game for them. They they've they they have a two game win streak. They're starting to win as of late, and to come to US Bank Stadium in their season on the high note against a division rival, why not do that with a with a strong defensive line? Technically, this game is essentially for second in the division. Right. Like these two teams are looking to end their season on a high note. Um, as frustrating as it's been, as much as they felt like, you know, we've lost out on close situations, roster issues, injuries, COVID, everything that's happened. You don't want to go into the offseason with just that sour taste in your mm. mouth. I, and I feel like, you know, the Bears have started to figure out figure it out here at the back end of the season for them. Um, you know, the, the interesting part is that's without Justin Fields. Right. Um, but for the Bears, you know, they want to go into the offseason, given all of the questions and all of the, the angst that have ha- that's been going on in Chicago. They want to end it on a high note. And I think we do, too, given all of the pride that we have on our team and all the veterans that are in here. People that are free agents want to put some good tape out there, not only for negotiations with the team, but elsewhere. And so I just feel like there is a ton of motivation to end this season on a high note for both teams. How, how you end a season dictates the the optimism level for the upcoming offseason for that team. So whether that's the draft, whether that's training camp, you can always go back and say, well, we ended like this or look at look at how we did. Think about us last year. We ended with a Detroit Lions win at Ford Field and everybody was high on Alexander Madison. Oh, we got a really good backup. Oh, JJ just broke the record. Oh, look at our defense. Look at what we got here. And you, the better you finish your season, the better chances you have of having some juice going into that next year. And more importantly, when you look at the Chicago Bears team, they like I said, they, they're coming off of two straight wins. They're starting to figure some things out. And you look at that and say, oh, well, we got a, a young quarterback, too. Let's build on that also and make and, and build the pieces around him to make sure that we don't fall into the situation again. So we're playing spoiler alert at this point, but also we're, we're playing a, a pride game. Like you said, a lot of these guys are are playing for contracts like it's bigger than just draft. Nobody cares about draft positioning right now. Yeah, Absolutely we hold the thirteenth overall pick, but but for some guys that are on one year deals, I think there's over thirty players on one year deals for this Minnesota Vikings team right now. They're playing for a, a bigger contract next year, knowing that the salary cap is going to increase, knowing that there's going to be more space and more opportunities. Like what can we do to to make this money is is the mindset of these guys. So that being the case, what are you nervous about? They're secondary. <laughs> I know you said they're they're, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> they're secondary. They had five players out in their secondary a few weeks ago when we played them. And the fact that they played two men and held Kirk Cousins to 87 passing yards, I'm nervous about that. Adam Thielen's not playing again. We probably won't play Justin Jefferson if I'm a guessing man. If he, Whether he plays or not, they're probably just going to bracket him and then play man-to-man on the other receivers. And they were very successful in doing that in at Soldier Field a few weeks ago. So when you look at that and say, okay, well, we only ran for what, 20, 30 yards this past Sunday, they're just going to stack the box and make us beat them. And if you do that, I'm a little nervous because we haven't shown on film yet that we can effectively beat press man coverage or two man consistently. And I believe that we can do it, but we haven't shown it. And I think until we show it, I'm going to continue to be nervous about that. So let's finish out the season showing everybody that, yes, we can handle those things. Yes, those are things that that this Vikings offense 
knows how to deal with. And because yep. we do, I mean, we've, we've proven in the past that we've been able to do these kind of pieces, these kind of things with, against an opponent that is motivated. We've played really good teams. We played them to the wire. You know, how many times all season have we said, well, if we'd only done one or two plays this yeah. way, we would have been successful versus, you know, chucking, chucking up an L. This game comes down to what kind of pride do you have? What kind of motivation do yeah. you have? And trying to end your season the right way. And I, I, honestly, I know the vent, the one thing we're nervous about is like limited to like one minute. So we have to like stay within that time frame. But I do, I do look at this as an opportunity for guys to step up to the challenge. I believe we do have receivers in our receiver room. That's, that's saying, okay, well put somebody man to man on me. Like I, I, I dare you to like, I, that, that's why I get paid is to be man to man coverage. So I, I'm interested to see who's going to be that guy to step up. I'm, I'm sure we'll see a lot of new faces uh, activated this upcoming Sunday in the receiver room. So now that Adam Thielen is done for the season that we know, who's going to be that second guy? K.J. Osborne has been great. 634 receiving yards, six touchdowns, two of the longest touchdowns of the Vikings season thus far. But, okay, if you take him away, who's going to be that third guy to step up if you go four or five wide? And this is another week to to prove to another team and to the world that we're, we're good. We're, we're still good here. Absolutely. To close out the show, we've got a couple of plugs. I'm going to start with you. Coming up on a Opposing viewpoints this week, Tatum Everett and Eric Smith have Larry Mayer from Chicago. Mm. Larry uh, was on the show earlier this season during week 15. Uh, Larry is a long, long, long time Chicago Bears reporter and has the pulse on everything happening right now in the Windy City. So make sure to check out Opposing Viewpoints with Tatum Everett and Eric Smith and Larry Mayer this week. Uh, On top of that, we also on Friday night will have Vikings Vantage. This week we got Pete Bursich, another Mm -hmm. uh, Illinois native and Chicagoan who is more than plugged in on what's going on. He's got his opinions. Uh, We've talked about him many, many times about what's going on in Chicago, what needs to be fixed for them to be successful. With him growing up in Illinois, growing up in the Chicago area, still has tons of ties there. He's going to be a great listen. So make sure to check that out Friday night on Vikings Vantage. Yeah, it'll be good to have Pete Bursage on. He, like you said, he's he's very, 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 very opinionated. And a guy who is also very opinionated is Ron Johnson. He's joining me this week on the Audible, and we got Justin Jefferson. So you got uh, a former NFL wide receiver with a current NFL wide receiver. So you with you, a former college wide receiver for, with a former college wide receiver. So it's basically going to be wide receiver show. <laughs> it's, it's not the audible. It's it's uh, three deep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Ron will have some interesting opinions, and Ron always adds a joke or a metaphor to to his opinion. So he he's always a a great listen. So make sure you guys tune into that Thursday night at 6 p.m. on the fan KFAN 100.3. Also. Ron will be joining Tatum Everett on Vikings Post Game Live, the final Vikings Post Game Live following the Chicago Bears game this upcoming Sunday. So make sure you guys tune into that. I think that starts 15 minutes after the game ends. So there will be a lot going on this week. Make sure you guys stay up to date for the most up to date coverage of your favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings, right here on Vikings.com. The Minnesota Vikings podcast will be happening all offseason. So, guys, don't worry. We got more news coming up every single week this upcoming offseason. So stay tuned. For Jay Nelson, Mark Rosen, my name is Gabe Henderson. Thank you again for tuning in to the Minnesota Vikings podcast, episode number 127. See you next week. Yeah.